What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great day. I wanted to talk about debt today from a high-level standpoint. There's a lot of, uh, it's interesting, there's a lot of uh, talk about good debt and bad debt these days. And so I wanted to kind of talk through the pros and cons of debt in general. I think that there is uh, definitely cases where debt is fine to take on, but it's a very slippery slope. And so I think understanding some of these uh, trade-offs and pros and cons and just kind of understanding the uh, psychology of debt can help as you navigate some of these big financial decisions that you may or may not choose to finance. Before I jump in, there's a good quote. I'm not sure who uh, who to attribute it to, but um, the quote is, don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. And that's, I think, the classic situation where debt is a problem when you're buying things, you know, that you're that are out of your means and really only doing it for status and trying to impress people. So we want to definitely want to stay away from that. But uh, let's start today with uh, some of the reasons people would get debt. So the big the big ones that we tend to see and hear and some of the things I felt myself even, it's a low interest rate. So debt is a lot of financing these days. It's just very competitive interest rate. Sometimes it's 0% interest rate. So that's a lot of times uh, the reasoning we hear with our cl- uh, planning clients and I've even told myself that is that you might as well finance it because the interest rate is so low. That's a common reason or uh, cause of you deciding to, you, you know, at least consider debt. So I'll circle back to that in a minute. But uh, another big reason I hear and see is I'm going to, I'm going to finance it because Maybe I have the money to afford the thing, but I'm going to finance it because I'm going to use the money more wisely in some other thing, like uh, investing it or for business or whatever. Uh, The idea there is that the debt is efficient, uh, more so you have another vehicle that you can be more efficient with, and the debt is allowing you to leverage that uh, alternative. So that's a concept that comes up often. Probably the most common thing that comes up is I want to finance it because it's going to allow me to buy whatever thing sooner. Maybe people don't say that always, but that's typically uh, the reasoning, at least one of the reasons behind why you finance things is that by financing it, you can get it now much sooner, or maybe you can do something you would never otherwise be able to do. The last big reason I'll throw out there uh, for why people get debt is I think it's just a cultural thing. So, you know, it's just what everybody else is doing. Uh, That's a common reason. You know, I grew up, my family had debt. It's normal for me to think of my life, including debt. And it's just kind of what people do. And so culturally, I think those last two are probably the hardest is immediate gratification and cultural uh, challenges or cultural influences. So you kind of feel the push to have debt. That doesn't mean you should have debt. 
So knowing those big primary drivers for debt, let's talk about reality and kind of how people experience debt and what tends to play out over time. So I think it's really interesting to look at people and how things play out in their circumstances in relation to whatever given consideration we're looking at. So with debt, for example, me personally, I think the purpose of money is to allow you to live a better life or be happy, essentially. Otherwise, what's the point? So with debt, for example, what I would look at is, is having the debt making you happier or not? Are you happier with debt or not in this given circumstance? So for example, if you're buying a house, is the debt allowing you to live a happier life versus like delaying the purchase or uh, going to XYZ school or the expensive school over the less expensive school? Is that uh, additional debt allowing you to lead a happier life overall? Or buying the car, the new car, instead of the old junker car, like does that translate to a happier life? Sometimes it does in cases, and you probably feel like it's going to on the front end. But if you look at the like the research on happiness and people uh, in general, like more debt does not lead to greater happiness, and it actually is the reverse. And so with debt, it's kind of a slippery slope. With debt, it's you know you have to be careful with it, and it can maybe lead to short-term happiness, but. The problem with debt is it's a long-term obligation. So you really want to think about what that translates to long-term, the more debt you have. I think there's, you know, you look at a lot of people without debt and, or people that have recently paid off debt. If you know somebody that's paid off a debt, look at them and their life. It's rare that they're like regretting that decision. I don't hear a lot of people complain about having debt paid off. They tend to be like ecstatic about having debt paid off. People that pay off their student loans are just pumped about it. And so that that all kind of paints that picture of uh, maybe debt, maybe having less debt translates to more happiness. There's also different types of debt. So going back to the low interest rate and using money wisely argument, if you're taking out a loan to start a business, for example, it's a legitimate business and you're essentially investing the money. That's a completely different scenario than if you're taking out a loan or debt to to finance your education. And that's a completely different scenario than if you're taking out a loan to buy a car. So those are very different situations. So I would be more cautious the further away you get from having an asset or investing that money. So for example, if you are just using the debt to finance a depreciating asset like a car, I would you know exercise the most caution in that situation uh, because it's not it's it's not gonna provide any return. In fact, it's gonna provide negative return. The car is gonna lose value. It's gonna provide negative return. Education is something we could probably argue. Um, I agree education is a good investment, but the way I would look at it is, is there an alternative way to do it that would be less expensive? Or maybe you're using some of your uh, education or student loan money for things that are not necessary. And so in that case, uh, maybe it's not a great investment, but 
But baseline investing in yourself is, you could argue, a pretty good investment. Um, but you have to be, like all debt, you have to be be careful with it as well. I think one of the biggest things that that people maybe sometimes aren't aware of is the psychology of of purchasing decisions. And this goes back to the low interest rates rate thing. What people maybe don't realize sometimes is by financing something, it's going to push up their tendency to spend more. So look at the iPhones or, or smartphones, for example. A lot of times they'll kind of push you to the direction of financing it, and it's typically 0%. So they're like showing you the monthly payment now. And it's like the car companies figured this out a long time ago, the psychology, uh, that they need to sell the monthly payment to people. And, and they'll say, what do I need to, they basically say, what can you afford per month? And then they'll kind of back into the numbers. That financing aspect, it's much easier to wrap your head around paying, you know, $50 a month or $500 a month or whatever, uh, instead of paying like $30,000 for a car. Um, same thing with an iPhone. That's why so many people have $1,000 iPhones. Uh, that The fact that it is financed just tends to push people's purchase price up. So you have to be, if you're aware of that, I think it's helpful. Uh, a good test is if you, ideally you have the money to be able to write a check for it. And so if you don't have the money to be able to write a check for whatever purchase, you're probably even more susceptible to this kind of a thing because it's 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 adding that whole uh, ability to have immediate gratification uh, and you're psych- subconsciously going to kind of focus in on that whatever is going to ha- make that happen the fastest and so interest rate is a is another you know sneaky little part of that whole equation so if it's zero percent uh, I might as well finance it and get the car, but what if you can't afford the car? Maybe you can afford the monthly payment today, but is that a smart move financially? Another way to think about it is what if companies started to, I could see a situation where companies start to pay you uh, to finance it. Uh, That would be interesting to see. Then it's like from a dollars and cents standpoint, it's an absolute no brainer to finance everything because they're paying you to finance it. But at what point, does that become out of control from a monthly payment standpoint? So if I go to get an iPhone and they're like, you might as well finance it and pay us the monthly payment because we're actually going to give you a discount on the iPhone by like 20% or something. I could see the the world go in that direction because that basically continues to amp up this idea of pushing people's purchase price upward and making it, because the more they make it incentivize people to get debt, the more purchase price increases, the more companies make money sooner. And so I think just having an awareness of how this works is helpful as you go through big purchase decisions. I tell people uh, we work with a lot of times, the interest, it's not about the interest rate as much. Uh, a low interest rate is obviously appealing. But if that's causing you to increase your purchase price, that's that's really the problem is the sneaking up of the purchase price due to your subconscious locking in on the fact that a low interest rate is such a good deal so you have to be you have to be aware of that as well i mentioned the uh monthly payment obligation and that getting compounded uh that's another big 
thing to watch out for with debt is one of the downsides of debt is it can really lock you into whatever given circumstance or situation. So for example, student loans are probably the, one of the biggest uh, examples of this. It's like the day you start in medical school or the first you know semester you finance, it's, I would imagine at that point onward, extremely difficult to, to get out. And it's probably even subconsciously affecting you. Like maybe you're not liking it as much as you thought you would. If you have, if you're already on sitting on a hundred thousand dollars student loans after just one year in, it's going to be really hard to convince yourself that you don't actually like it. And you're probably going to want to convince yourself the reverse that, you know, you could, you do, you can make it work. You're going to need to give it a full shot. And because you're looking at that student loan balance and you're seeing uh, you already owe a hundred thousand dollars and that's kind of, kind of in some way locked you in to that uh, need to make the solid income that comes from finishing up all the years of training. Same sort of thing, little different flavor with like a house. Say you're starting into practice and you um, are moving to a new area and you're starting in a new job and you choose to buy a house and you don't have the money to pay for it outright. So you're financing it. And really you have none, no down payment. So you're financing 100% of it. So that situation can kind of lock you into that first job because like subconsciously you're thinking, man, uh, it's going to be difficult to sell the house I just bought. I'm wasting a bunch of transactional costs and my, I might not even be able to. Uh, and then sometimes the market real estate prices go up and down right now. They're going up really up fast, but they can go down too, like the same way they're going up now. So say real estate goes down in that situation, that sort of setup, you're completely upside down, which basically means you owe more than the house is worth. You got to write a check to get out of it. And you can legit be completely locked into the house as in you can't sell it or you, you don't have the money to sell it. So debt can have that tendency to lock you into things, even cars, same sort of thing. You can kind of get locked into it, whether it be like financially or even subconsciously kind of making you feel locked in. That's just an important consideration to make sure you're not uh, pushing it too much. And that I think the biggest thing with debt or one of the big, big things with debt is it's just you're using the debt to finance something now or immediate gratification in exchange for less choices in the future. Cause what it comes down to is you're, if you're using debt for a lifestyle thing. So that's why I say early on, if you're using debt for like a business decision, that's a little different. But if, if you're using debt for lifestyle to essentially have immediate gratification, whether it buy, be buy a car, have more house, whatever it is, uh, if you're using debt to finance your lifestyle, Essentially, what you're doing is you're trading the debt for less choices in the future because you're going to have to make your ultimately you'll have to pay it. And so that is what the monthly payment ends up being. And that translates to less choices in the future because you have less money then to to do stuff or put your money places or whatever you want your money to do for you. And the more that that happens, so it's kind of like think of it like a teeter totter, like 
now immediate gratification versus less choices in the future. The more you pile on the immediate gratification, the less choices you have in the future to the point where if you get too high on the immediate gratification, you can end up in this position where you're completely squeezed and you're, you know, on the brink of like a financial blow up. Uh, and that's where people get into like house poor situations. That's basically what house poor is. It's like, I, all I can do is make my mortgage payment and feed my family and that's it. Uh, or even worse, like bankruptcy. That's what bankruptcy is. It's like you've kind of pushed the envelope to where you can't make the monthly payments. So you definitely want to completely avoid that situation. And in reality, what I would typically encourage is that you shape your life first, like your ideal life first. Like what do you want it to look like? And uh, what do you want your future to look like? Kind of carve all that out first. And then if you do choose to have debt, make sure it fits into that ideal life equation as opposed to the reverse of just, you know, going off the cuff and picking off things and immediate gratification and financing it and then trying to make life work around that. That typically does not work out well. So some just kind of general things to think about in uh, relation to this, some just kind of takeaways or ideas to, to keep in, in mind. Uh, pay attention to your debt to income ratio. That's a good kind of metric to show you how aggressive you're being with this. So lenders, as an example, lenders will often loan uh, up to 40, 45% of debt to income. So that's your monthly debt, total debt obligation divided by your, your total income. That's typically too much, I think. Uh, it should be considerably lower than that, but that's that's the most or maximum a lender for like, you know, a typical, say, mortgage lender will loan uh, you up to 45% debt monthly payment as a percentage of your total income per month. So you want it to be considerably lower than that. And I would argue that the lower, the better, uh, or at least that provides for more financial flexibility in the future, especially. Or you could take a more extreme stance and just say, I'm going to, so so from now on, I'm going to have less debt. Uh, most, a lot of people, you know, let the debt kind of creep up. So you could say, draw a line in the sand right now. And from now on going forward, my debt number is going down. That's just kind of a, you know, one way to approach it. Because in that situation, it can only get better or more flexible. For your children, you can save for their education expenses. Student loans have become a massive debt load. And so you can kind of get ahead of that for your kiddos and save into college savings plans or 529s so that they can avoid getting into this debt crunch where they're like locked into their profession. Uh, you can teach your children about debt as well. So I think where the this ends up kind of like the worst case scenario is when you're taking out debt while also not having the knowledge around really how debt works. That's classic in, uh, you know, student loans because you're not typically old enough. So you can kind of take ahead, uh, get ahead of that and start to teach your kids about debt early on. Uh, the sooner, the better. And then just talking about your finances with other people, that's an important thing to do. Uh, you know, have an advisor or talk to your close contacts about managing finances encourage your kids to talk about money. I think I grew up in a culture where it was like, you know, maybe we don't talk about money, but I think it's much better to encourage this uh, understanding that we're going to communicate about money. That way your kids and your contacts feel, you know, comfortable bringing up their big life questions or big issues as they're coming up and you can, you can help them. 
All right. Well, that's all I got for today. Good, uh, good talk. We'll uh, look forward to talking again next time and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.